I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. folks welcome back here for episode nine here on ginger and dutch podcast can't believe uh we're already done nine episodes here and it's flying through we're having a, a grand time doing it so thanks to all those uh following along all of our listeners along the way on all of our social media fronts uh instagram facebook and twitter uh pretty pumped about tonight's episode uh we got a special guest here tonight at savage golf services matt savage has come on to join us here and i believe we've uh we're going to jump right to it here. We've got them live here. Matt, are you uh, are you here with us? I am, Ginger. Thanks for having me, fellas. It's uh, nice to be part of this. I've enjoyed the episode so far, so pretty cool to, for you to have me on here. I'm excited to chat about what we're going to chat about today. Beautiful, yeah. And let's uh, let's give our listeners a little bit of rundown on, on why we brought uh, Matt on. Matt, yeah, uh, before, and before you do that, you know, you started off with your usual, uh, all right, folks, I like how that's become a staple of yours there, uh, Jen. Yeah, you know what? It's uh, keep it consistent across the board. Everybody knows what to expect and brings a little energy to it. For those that have listened to me speak uh, live, they know that I, I, you know, it's a, always a ladies and gentlemen or a, something like that. So for the Ginger and Dutch podcast, I brought along the all right folks. So <laughs> I love it. I love it. Listen, uh, I, I'm actually we're doing something different here. I got I got Maddie uh, live right in front of me tonight. So it's going to be fun. Uh, Maddie and I are longtime friends. We uh, we met back in school and uh, we worked together at Mill Run for oh seven years. And now Matt's the director of golf over at uh, Mill Run. And he's uh, he's running like clockwork over there. So what, what have you been up to over there? How, how's the season started so far, Matt? Season's been great so far. Obviously, you know, things are different in our world as they are the whole world. So our club took the, you know, cautious approach to opening. So we opened very cautious with guidelines in place, 20-minute tee times. We actually opened member only for the first time ever. Right. You know, we're a 45-hole facility with about 350 members. So it was nice to have the facility open to just them for the first two weeks. We've now got public out there and things are full speed ahead now. But it's been good. We've been cautious. Everyone's been safe. You know, safety was our number one priority. And now we're starting to bring more and more amenities into the mix every single day. So it's been good. Really good. Good, man. And the weather's been perfect, obviously. And you guys have had, uh, you know, numbers have been great. Uh, have you guys opened up any food and beverage stuff yet? Or Yeah, food and beverage is limited. We've got the cart out. We've got our halfway house open. You know, once uh, once we get the, the restrictions lifted on restaurants, we'll be able to open up inside and, and get uh, everything a little more. It seems like every week we're able to open a little bit more. So that's yeah. the plan for the whole season. And let's hope that everybody sticks together in all these, uh, all the golf courses. I know we've got tons of colleagues. You've got even more peers from your end that we've all become acquaintances with that we can, you know, all work together to kind of keep the consistency across the board. And now, um, Ginge, you were, you wanted to talk to him a little bit about uh, TPI and over the wintertime, uh, uh, Maddie, you guys put in simulators, which has been amazing. I came over firsthand with, uh, with uh, Ginge and we, uh, we, we looked at it with our owners. Um, uh, Ginge, you wanted to talk to him a little bit about TPI and, 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 what that's all about uh, and see where he's going, eh? Yeah, I just had a couple questions about it. I know um, after doing some research by myself, uh, Matt, the numbers kind of speak for themselves. You know, 17 out of the uh, the last 20 majors have a, a TPI uh, coaching representative. Um, 
I think it was 28 out of the top 30 players in the world currently are, are using that type of system. And I'm not fully familiar with it. So, you know, give me the, the Coles Notes version for our listeners here. Uh, we do have a lot of golf listeners, but just just give me a Coles Notes version, Matt, of, of what it's all about um, and how it's different, a little bit different from those uh, traditional teaching methods. Yeah, of course. Well, you, you know, with the stats there, right, it just proves that that the theory and the process works, all the, all the professionals that are using it. So really what, for the background, what TPI is, it's the Titleist Performance Institute, and it's a coaching certification program. And it really has three pillars involved. So you can be a golf professional, medical professional, or a fitness professional. And when they talk about, you know, the top 28 players of the 30, they have someone on their team. It might be a golf pro, it might be a fitness professional, it might be a medical professional. But they've all got a team around them. So it's really based on this team approach. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a golf pro. I, I've got my level one certification. And that's what everyone gets to start. And then you can venture into your own category. So now I'm a level two certified uh, golf coach with TPI. And it really dives into the details of it. And, you know, as, as a, to generalize it and for people to know what it's about, their whole theory is the body swing connection. So how does your body move? Why does it move that way? And how does it affect your golf swing? So to kind of get started, what we're going to do is I'm going to run you through a TPI level one screen. It's about 16 different moves. Pretty, in, pretty non-invasive, very easy to do, but it gives me results on what your body can and can't do. So we're looking for stability and mobility limitations. I'm then going to get you to hit some balls, get your video on a golf, get your golf swing on video, sorry. And then I can really dive in to see why you swing the way you do, what affects it with your body. And then I make, I make a choice. I can either teach around it or I can send you to a fitness or medical professional and we can try and fix that. So a simple let's say a simple situation, maybe you have limited scapular mobility. So your shoulder girdle doesn't move the way that it should. Well, I'm never going to be able to get you into the position at the top of your swing that you need to be in to hit the ball properly. So we can send you to a medical professional that can work those muscles out or the shoulder girdle and and make it so you can move properly. Or I can just simply teach around that. So it gives us an opportunity to make you have your best swing based on what your body can do. That's amazing. That's amazing. How did you find um, when you first, because obviously you had, you had gone through some, some other traditional certifications before you went ahead and, and ventured into the TPI. Is that correct? Yeah, of course. You know, the one thing with TPI is that it's, it's not necessarily a method that you have to teach by. It really just gives you more information. You learn more and you learn how to teach people better. You know, there's, there's all kinds of methods out there. There's guys that teach stack and tilt. There's guys that, only teach ground force reaction. There's guys that work on pivot only or club path, but you know, I don't, I don't choose to go by one method only. I just like to learn from everybody and take the best out of everyone, what everyone's doing. So I'm a big, I'm a big believer that you can learn from everybody, whether they're doing something right or something wrong, you can always take something from them. So TPI just helped expand that knowledge. Obviously with the PGA of Canada, I've done my certification through them. Also, I just recently did some certification with Scott Cox. He was the uh, 2019 teacher of the year. So did his certification recently, again, just more knowledge, more understanding, and it gives you another way to look at things. So there's, um, to jump in there, there's, there's a ton of different levels for TPI. Or like, do you plan on getting all of them uh, there, Matt, or what? Yeah, of course. So as I mentioned, I'm level two right now. There's probably only about five, four or five uh, level two golf coaches in Ontario that are uh, through TPI. So that was uh, something I did uh, two years ago. And then the level three certification, you actually go right down to Oceanside, California, to their where to their headquarters. So 
Um, that's something that I'm looking to do. Obviously, just a matter of finding the time to get down there, obviously, in the off season. And I'm looking forward to that. They also have a junior certification, and uh, I'm going through that process right now. And wherever you take, wherever your career goes, whether it's Mill Run, I know you've been there for 15, is that right? Yeah, 14 seasons. Oh, now. my gosh. So 15 years, and I know, you know, things are moving uh, quickly there. You know, wherever your your career takes you, you're, you're still going to ultimately, that's, that's, a, that's a side that you want to continue with, correct? Yeah, of course. I, you know, I, I love the teaching side of it. I'm really transitioning more into the coaching as opposed to teaching, yep. you know, that those one-off lessons, not that I don't like helping somebody, right. And someone comes and says, Hey, I've been slicing the driver. What can I do? That's always enjoyable to make them hit it straighter, but it's the coaching experience that I'm a real fan of. So yeah. taking somebody from, you know, wants to be there, a 15 handicap, they want to get down to a 10. That's a great experience. And also the person that comes to me and says, Hey, I've had back injuries for the last five years. And I think it's because of golf. Well, now we can use these TPI philosophies, look at how their body moves, why it moves that way. And now I can teach around that back issue they have. And now they can play golf forever without pain. And that actually is, is one of the best feelings is to have someone that can't golf anymore, be able to play, play the game. again. Oh, that's awesome. Cause actually I watched some of your videos uh, over the, the winter time you were uh, during COVID lockdown, you were in your, in your garage doing uh doing some uh, Instagram live uh, for TPI and you're doing it for your members. I actually tried them myself. Well, well, I'm glad you tried them because those were uh, that was a workout for seniors and a, and a mobility routine for seniors. So I'm glad it worked for you. Well, you know, I'm actually quite a senior, anyways, or my body feels like a senior. So, well, anyways, it was pretty cool watching it. So great, great insight. Um, you know, well, we appreciate the knowledge on that. Uh, what do you think? Let's just flip tunes here, and I know I'm stealing a bit of your thunder here, Ginger, but we got the first tournament coming up here. Colonial, what June 11th, correct? That's correct. So, you know, let let's let's have a chat about it. What do you what do you think? Like, uh, you know, we got some of the European guys aren't going to come over, you know, due to obviously the quarantine and and um, do you think we're going to have the best field or like what do you think? How how's it going to run? I know we've already talked about you know two thousand people, no fans and everything, but how, how do you think it's going to run as a as a whole? Both of you guys, uh, let's go with uh, let's go with you there first, Ginger. What what's your thoughts? And then we're going to get Maddie to jump right in. Well, I think I think what's going to happen is I think I don't think they're going to be the best quote unquote fields, um, but I truly believe that you know the top two hundred players in the world are if you've got a good portion of those guys, well, that's going to be one of the one of the better fields and every field is good in golf right now. So um, no matter who's there, it's going to be a competitive event. Uh, what I do like is, is it's going to, to me, show if guys have been playing, guys have been practicing, how much rush there's going to be to take off. Um, so I'm really intrigued by that and to see, you know, who's going to jump out of the gate. Is there going to be someone here that's like a Kisner that's been playing golf with his buddies and, and having a few cocktails and beers and having a good time on the social media side. And, and maybe his game's still sharp and maybe he hops out and can steal a couple of these events and win a couple of them early and, and, you know, make a name for himself in, in a strange year, like as is. You stole my thunder. I had Kisner all dialed in there. What about, what about you, Maddie? What do you think? Do you think any young and up, up and comers without fans? Like, what do you think? Yeah. So I agree with Ginger where, the guys, it's going to be a good test to see who's been practicing, who's been playing. Because I've heard a lot of different guys saying they haven't touched a club. They didn't touch a club for three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, whatever it might be. But I'm kind of looking at this as, as almost like the wraparound season. So, obviously, the, the PGA Tour schedule, I still call it the new PGA Tour schedule, where after the Tour Championship, there's events that count in this current year all the way up to the new year. But in my mind, the traditional PGA Tour schedule starts January 1 in, in Hawaii. 
So those first few events for me are always like a testing ground. You know, the, the younger guys, as you mentioned, the up and comers, those guys come out and then you, that's when they usually, you see these new guys win events that you're not, that you're not too sure of. So I feel like it's going to be kind of like that for the first four or five events where the top 25 guys in the world, they might not be there. Maybe the top 20 aren't there. It's just going to kind of ease in. I think, as you mentioned, some Europeans aren't going to come over because it's not worth their time to come over, quarantine, then go back and get back on the European tour. But also, you know, some of these guys, like let's say the top five, top 10 in the world, is it worth their time to, to experiment with this first event and see how it goes? I don't think so. I think they're going to wait. I think the, the, the memorial is going to be the big test. That's yep. going to be the big event. Obviously, you're going to get Tiger out there, and that's going to be the biggest field, I think. And until then, it's going to be kind of like the shoulder season stuff where you're going to get – you might get one or two big names in each event, but it's an opportunity for guys that are either up-and-comers or guys that have been practicing this whole time to really shine. Steph, you hit a good point with Kisner. I think uh, everyone's seen that that uh, him and the foreplay boys <laughs> they play, yep. uh, which was which was pretty cool that they did that, and uh, it just goes to show. Like I think he was one under or even par from the back tees at Pinehurst from the U.S. Open tees. So you know, I, I'd say that's pretty dialed in. I think he's ready to go. Yeah, yeah. and you know what, the cream, the cream. I don't know if the cream will rise to the top or whatever. It's it's tough to say. I I, I kind of like the 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 young bucks, uh, the Hovlands and and Wolf and company. I, I think that they're gonna continue to excel because they're finding ways to to practice and 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 get out on the golf course. And sure, we saw all the stuff the last couple of weeks with uh, DJ and uh, uh, Fowler and company and McElroy and then the Tiger and Phil uh, episode there, which was amazing. But I don't know. I, I, I think you're going to see some guys uh, that may win and I, I'm going to go out on a limb and, and I'm going to ask you guys this. And, and, and this is a bet that I want to make. This is, could be our, this is going to be our second bet. And since we have a, a fellow gambler, uh, well, casual gambler uh, on with us, with uh, Sav here, TPC Harding Park, first major in August. I was supposed to play there in March right before COVID. In fact, we had our tickets booked. We were ready to go. I had golf dialed in with among other things until uh, we got pulled and we had to cancel it. I was dialed in and ready to play that place. I'm going to go out and, and let's make a $20 bet here on who you're going to take. And I'm going to go off the cuff with one of the best. I know he's up there and I know he was supposed to have a good season, but I'm going to take Patrick Cantley to win the first major nice nice pick a little bit off the radar i like it i'll let uh i'll let savage go uh next here all right let's just make this interesting though we said twenty dollars for the winner how about we go twenty dollars for the highest finisher hey just so that there's some actually money some money given out all right all there right. we go we'll i like it, it a, we'll call it a deal all right and i'm gonna go with the best driver of the golf ball that we've ever seen, Rory McIlroy. Oh, you little! I should have never let you go first. <laughs> I had him on my notes. You little! Oh, I always knew you were the redheaded ginger. I never liked. <laughs> All right. Well, that just totally throws me for a loop, and I gotta. Uh, I'm gonna go down my list a little bit here, and I think. Uh, I think he's gonna get his first major. I know he, he's he's won some bigger events, but I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take Ricky Ricky Fowler. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Well, that's good. Let's mark that down. I know you've uh, had to mark endless losses down for you so far, but uh, mark it down, and we'll uh, we'll reconvene uh, once we get going. Uh, anything else you want to uh, you want to chat with uh, with uh, Mr. Savage here before we uh, let him off the hook? Uh, before we get into some NFL talk. No, I think we're. Uh, I think we've covered it all, and I think our listeners got a good feel for 
you know, what uh, TPI is all about and, and what uh, Matt's all about. So I would uh, like to thank Matt for coming on, obviously. And hopefully uh, we can get him on uh, in the near future and, and make him a little friend of the show and have him on uh, once or twice a year. Sounds great, buddy. Listen, we appreciate it, uh, Savage. We appreciate you coming on. I know it's been busy, and I know especially with uh, things happening at the golf course, uh, you know, you've been busy, and I know you're a guy that uh, likes to put your uh, your foot down every day there, and you're you're pretty much working – you know, 70, 70 days out of 70, uh, out of 71. And you're there all the time. So we appreciate you taking the time to come out and, uh, and have a chat with us. No problem guys. Thanks a lot for having me. And, uh, maybe I'll come back on when I collect that, uh, 40 bucks from you too. <laughs> <laughs> low blow, low blow. All right. On that note, uh, let's take a break. Are you there, uh, Ginger? Yeah, let's send it off the break there. And, uh, we can just leave the image of, uh, of Dutch doing those senior citizen, uh, exercises in the garage in the winter time. Hey, Maddie. I love it. I love it. I cannot believe these guys picked me to do their next ad. They're lucky they wrote me something to say, because if it were up to me, I would expose them for who they really are. They think they can talk NFL football? Look at them. One guy has red hair and glasses and cheers for the Bills, and the other guy has ears the size of Dumbo and is a Vikings fan. Give me a break, guys. Fantasy football? They know nothing. I am a back-to-back champion and own their league. Ginger and Dutch? More like a loser and sucks. Oh shit, did I just send them this ad? Ah, well. You are now listening to the Ginger and Dutch podcast, where real-life sports passion meets real-life sports talk. The Devil's Advocates of Sports Talk Radio. Welcome back from break, listeners. Thanks again to uh, Savage Golf Services, Matt Savage from Mill Run uh, Golf and Country Club for coming on as a special guest. Dutchie, thanks for getting him on there. Yeah, absolutely. We wanted to uh, hop in now to our uh, NFL divisional breakdown. Uh, this is week number two of our eight-week segment here happening, and uh, I called it out last week. And we're going to cover the NFC South and uh get right into it so i know dutch you had some feelings and we've talked off air here briefly so this will uh this should be good because uh i don't think we're gonna quite agree on this one there could be uh, a few arguments here so i'll let you kick it off what do you think about the south in in uh in totality and and get into your team by team breakdown here yeah absolutely and listen 2019 results just for for the listeners you know the saints were the saints finished at top at 13 and three, and then you had the Falcons who had a had a real bad start to the season, seven and nine. You had the Bucks at seven and nine with uh, with our good buddy Jameson Whiskey, as we call him, and then the Panthers, five and eleven, just trying to find some identity without Cam Newton. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, start right off the top there. I, I've got uh, I've got Carolina remaining in the cellar. Listen, they're one injury away. McCaffrey who was a ball hog who do who was everything for that team they're one injury away from him them being a three four win team listen i know i know you got bridgewater he's getting another crack to be a starter great i like it good addition they've got robbie anderson in there on the offense as well which i know he's just a jet but or he was a jet and they their offense should be improved but you, you can't overlook the fact that they lost 
arguably one of the best linebackers in the last 10 years that Luke Keekley being retired. I know they picked up a good guy in the draft, but I have him, I have him at the, at the cellar. I don't know where you got him, but I got him at the cellar. I got him about five and 11 again, almost identical records last year. Yeah. I got, I got him in, in, in fourth place as well, but, but I do disagree on, on your comment there about uh, McCaffrey being a ball hog. He, you got to feed. He's the best. He's the best running back in the NFL, hands down. There's nowhere, nobody even close. Not even, not even on the same earth as Christian McCaffrey. Coming out of the backfield, can run the ball, can catch the ball. He can do everything you want. He's a three-down back. If you're going to replace the defense, well, they went ahead and replaced the defense because they did something in NFL history that's never been done before, and they drafted all defense. Every single pick coming out of the 2020 draft from the Carolina Panthers was defense. Um, I think that was on purpose. I think Rule's confident is in his offensive scheme, much like a Kyle Shanahan. He thinks he can scheme guys open. And, um, you know, I don't know if it'll be enough this year, but I think they've got some good building blocks, and, and we'll keep them in the basement, Dutchie. And, and, uh, but I think they'll be better than 5'11". I got them coming in around 7 and 9. Okay, maybe maybe I didn't understand what you're saying. You were, you were disagreeing with with him being a ball hog. I, maybe I, I, I phrased that incorrectly. I, I say it correctly that 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 he was their offense. I mean, he had he touched the ball thirty plus times all the time, uh, like every game, and and he is their offense. And what I'm getting at is is that if he's down, where are they going to put? Where are they going to get their points from? And that's why I got him at the bottom seller. Okay, Teddy KGB, my boy, my my Bridgewater, my for, the former Viking. You know, he he was very serviceable when Breeze went down. But where are they going to get their offense if McCaffrey's down? So that's what I'm saying is that they're one injury away from just being, you know, bottom seller dwellers, defense or no defense. That's going to take a couple of years to get that defense with all those new guys on uh, on track. Yeah, and, and you know, I, I can't disagree with that. That you know, this offense is going to be predicated on that is is you know seven, eight, nine man boxes and allowing Samuel and Moore and Robbie Anderson and a sneaky little pickup in Keith Kirkwood coming over from the Saints. A uh, little interdivisional pickup, um, allowing those guys to go one on one in the outside and have Ian Thomas one on one, and and that's what that offense is going to be predicated on is getting those four or five guys one on one. Hopefully they can win, you know, four or five matchups each game, and take a little bit of the load off McCaffrey. But like you said, if McCaffrey goes down, um, yeah, look out, it could be trouble. It could be back down to to three wins real real quick. Yeah, I agreed. And this is where I think we're going to disagree. I, I have. Um... I have the Falcons at a 500 team again. Last year they were seven and nine. It's the same guys on offense, and I know they started off slow last year, and they had a you know a great second half. I think they they won six of their last eight games. Yes, they did. Uh, yeah, and they you know what, and and it was it was good, but unfortunately for the Falcons though, Steph, is that they have to play the Bucks, the Saints twice. And if, I don't know if you checked their schedule, but their schedule is pretty difficult. They got to play the Seahawks. They got to play the Cowboys. They got to play the Packers. They got to play the Vikings. Oh, and oh, and they got to go on the road to the Chiefs. So last time I checked that, I don't really care what you're going to have to bring to the table here. But, you know, Matty Ice, Matty Ice, Ice, Ice Baby is just going to be Ice cold against those teams and eight and eight is where I got them. Yeah, I, I disagree. I, I, you know what? 
Dak Prescott versus Matt Ryan, I'm taking Matt Ryan. Kirk Cousins against Matt Ryan, I'm taking Matt Ryan all day long on those two matchups. Okay, Patrick Mahomes, okay, can't argue there. But what I like is that Atlanta did is, is that Atlanta cut – it's a revitalization of this team. You go ahead and you, you pick up a, a Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley can be a top five running back in the NFL, added to a Julio Jones, to a Calvin Ridley, to a Hayden Hurst coming over from the Baltimore Ravens, offering great speed up the middle. Nice little pickup there that kind of went under the radar right before the draft with all that COVID stuff going down. That's a beautiful pickup. They're set on offense. Depth-wise, okay, they don't have the most depth, but if they can stay healthy – they're a dangerous offensive team, and, and we know that. Matt Ryan, you give Matt Ryan time, and he'll pick you apart. He's done it his whole career, and he, he was eight minutes and 28 seconds away from a Super Bowl and a Julian Edelman um, crazy catch and a bunch of other plays. We know how that all went down. But what I like, what they also did is they, they bring in Fowler from the Rams. They draft Terrell out of Clemson. They draft Derek Brown's running mate out of Auburn in Marlon Davidson. So they've, they've added a couple defensive pieces to the front seven and the secondary and the pass rush. I think that this is the revitalization year. And this is, this is the Falcons. It's time to rise up because if they don't rise up now, I don't think they'll be rising up ever. And I think it might be time to blow that squad up because it is getting a little bit older, especially offensively. But I, I got the Falcons revitalizing and rising up and coming in at 10 and six and in second place in, in that uh, NFC South. Wow. Well, we'll respectfully disagree there. I, 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 you know, I do, I do understand and, and, and take your points into consideration. I just, I just feel that, you know, after the, after the, the Super Bowl blunder that they've had, I, I just don't know if they can ever recuperate with, with where they're at with, with those key pieces on the offense that will, ultimately you know are they going to be able to as we say rise up you know that was a huge saying when we were down in falcon territory and falcon country and we got a our good buddy uh, todd who uh who 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 faulted into uh being a falcon lover and that's, deep, his, that's his team now right i mean a, a de facto falcons fan that's, that's right. right that's right so but i i just don't uh I don't know. I don't see it there. So that's good. That's good. I'm glad we got different uh, the different arguments on that. Second place, and I know we're disagreeing on this because I know you don't have my team, but I, I, I got the Saints going to take a little fall back here. They have done jack shit, okay? They, they, they Sure, they picked up, okay, another serviceable wide receiver. They picked up uh, Manuel Sanders. Well, whatever. He's just another wide receiver. You know, on oh, the come down, on. on the he's come on the on. downside. He's come on, on the downside. Come of his on career. now. He he totally changed that San Francisco 49ers team last year. As soon as he stepped foot in that property and in that facility, that wide out room totally changed. The offense totally changed. He totally changed that room and that team. He but gave he, him a little bit of swagger. He's going to give this team a little bit of swagger, and he's going to allow. Michael Thomas to maybe see a few more one-on-one coverages. He's going to see one-on-one coverages and name me more than eight corners in the league that can still cover Emmanuel Sanders. I just don't, I just don't think, I just don't think it fits in the system. And that's why I say, I think he's on the downside of his career. Fits in the system, Dutch. Yeah. Yeah. You've got the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. Yeah. Who throws it out of the backfield 90% of the time these days now. And then then just like all these other big guys, just like what you're going to make fun of when I talk about the goat, 
and talk about all his weapons. And you're going to be like, oh, well, he just doesn't have the arm anymore. And I know you're going to go down that road, which is BS. I, I just don't see it. And you know what? So, okay, so let's flip, let's flip to um, – Okay, so who did they draft out of um, out of Michigan? Uh, what's his name? Um, Ruiz, right? Yeah, to help a little bit on the offense. Yeah, okay, line. great. Well, you know what? The division has gotten tougher and tougher. And sure, I'm not saying they're not going to be a playoff team. I, I, I figure I got them pegged, you know, at about 11-5 and five this year. They're going to make the playoffs, and then they're going to lose to the Vikings again, which they always do. And it's just going to be mood point. Oh, that's a homer take if I ever heard one oh, losing to the Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs. You can take it now. as a homer all oh, you want, but on. all those Saints fans out there, they know. They know they don't want to see the Vikings because we, you know, the curse is on and the Vikings beat the Saints in the in the playoffs, plain and simple. I did, just you don't... Get, did you get over to Amsterdam over this last week, Dutch, and, and get into something that I don't know about? Because I don't know what planet you're living on right now, but I'll let you finish. I'll let you get up to your number one here. So you go, you go on your number one. All right. All right. Yeah, I'm just telling yeah. you that's, and again, I can't wait to, to, to rebuttal this when it's all said and done. If in fact there is the bloody season top of the division, there's no questions. Need I say more? I don't care about the defense. I don't care. You got the goat. You got Godwin Evans. Oh, need I mention Gronk? If Jamison Winsky, Whiskey, as I call him, can chuck 33 touchdowns, which is an average of close to two per game. Yep. You know Brady's got to be salivating with this receiving core. Okay. You got Jones as a serviceable uh, out of the backfield. He's doing fine. I, I just, you know what? Maybe the defense will be better with when they have the lead instead of, you know, arguably always having to come from behind or obviously going out short field all the time when Whiskey's chucking the, the ball around and, uh, and getting 30 picks last year. Brady's not going to have 30 picks. He's never had anywhere near that in his career. I don't even know what his top is, but I can guarantee it's barely double digits in his career for interceptions, which means that he's going to control the ball, which means their defense can be better. I got the GOAT, and I got Tom Brady all the way 12, 12 and four winning around in the playoffs. Do I think they're going to do any more? No, it's very untypical to see these guys do that. I mean, Manning's one of the few that did it and, and actually won a Super Bowl after switching on possibly arguably maybe as he was starting to go on the downside. But, you know, I still think that he's got something and he's got something to prove. He wants to prove that he can do it without Bilicek. I got him a 12 and four. Number one. Uh, I just, uh, from what I seen from Tom Brady last year, I think, I think it's father time is catching up. And those guys, it, as much as you say, Jameson whiskey, and he liked to throw the ball around. He, he had a live arm and he could get the ball downfield. And for two to three years now, maybe even longer, some would argue Tom Brady has not shown me that he can get the ball down the field. Okay. And who and who has he had to throw the ball down the field? Zero. You, the only guy that's been that's been proper to be able to throw out of there is Gronk, which we all know he's a tight end slash wide receiver, but doesn't do fifty yard routes. You've got Edelman, who's a slot receiver across the board. Don't give me that bullshit that he can't throw the ball down the field. He can throw the ball. He's got nobody to throw to. These guys you, can't get open. So for you're him. telling me? You're telling me that? He was barely above Josh Allen on passes more than ten yards, Dutch. Because and there was all I hear about Josh to. Allen is how how inaccurate he is. 
Let me finish. Let me finish. So you've got Mike Evans. I don't think that there's going to be one Brady can get him the ball down the field, and two, who's we we know this game's won and won and lost in the trenches. So who's protecting him? That offensive line is suspect at best, and we all know that Tom Brady has happy feet as soon as he feels any sort of pressure. So you've got Fowler, you've got Cameron Jordan. You've got Derek Brown. You've got all these new pieces on all these other teams on the D-line coming after him, and they're going to be dialing it up left, right, and center for Tom Brady because if you can move Tom Brady around, we know how ineffective he can be. He threw the ball away 40 times last year, 20 times more than anybody, and I watched it as a, as a Bill supporter. You get anywhere near him, he gets happy feet, and he's chucking it away, and these teams are going to dial him up and they're just going to let him chuck the ball away all day long. Yeah, he may not throw picks. Well, he's not throwing picks because he's throwing it to the sidelines because he's not throwing it to his old team because he's afraid to get hit. Well, time will, and, time will tell on that. Time will tell on the offensive line, but at least he doesn't have a bunch of plugs, and I'm sorry to disrespect the New England Patriot fans, but at least he doesn't have a bunch of plugs to throw to this year. He's arguably got, you know, both of those boys there on wide receivers there. Both of those boys were, you know, arguably top 10 in the league. And if you look at their stats across the board, sure, they, may, they maybe didn't have crazy touchdowns. Neither of them got to – I don't know if neither of them got to 10 or not. I was looking at it today. But um, you, you have Gronk coming back. He's, he's obviously feels healthy and he feels fresh. I don't think he's going to throw the ball that much away unless that offensive line, like you said, is, is going to be garbage. Let's see. Time will tell. That's who I have there. I, I, I really think that uh, – that this is going to be maybe the last hurrah or two. And, and, and maybe it's the opposite. Maybe breeze is going to go. No, I'm not saying breeze is going to go backwards, but I, I just don't think that formula and I love Sean Payton. I really do, but I, I just don't know if that formula works anymore. Oh, come on. You've still got put those pieces. You're talking about pieces. You're talking about pieces. Just like Allen Iverson practice. You want to talk about pieces, Dutch? How's, Alvin Kamara. How is Michael Thomas? How is Emmanuel Sanders against those top three pieces of Tampa? They're just as good, just as good. And I'll put Sean Payton against Bruce Arians any day of the week. I love Bruce Arians, one of my all-time favorite NFL coaches. But when it's talking about scheme and and getting guys open and being creative, Sean Payton's tops in the NFL in my mind. He's been doing it for years, and he's just aggressive he's creative he just changes it up it's never the same thing and he just likes to lull people to sweep just like he said all oh we're not going to change anything we're we're just going to keep the same playbook because all this COVID stuff you know he's got something in his back pocket you know just like he did in the Super Bowl with the onside kick he's got something dialed up there for for Breeze Taysom Hill and uh, they'll be coming out with something new and they're going to be tops in that division it'll be a tight division don't get me wrong I've got it down with the the Saints at eleven and five, Falcons at ten and six, and the Bucks at nine and seven. Um, but I just don't think Old Man Tom's got enough in it to uh, to push the that Bucks team, that young Bucks team, over the top. Well, time will tell, and we're we're gonna see. And uh, you probably can't hear me, but hold on. That that's called skull. Vikings. They're gonna beat them again in the playoffs, baby. So oh. it doesn't matter. Oh, Dutch. Oh, <laughs> Dutch. Woo! Well, let's transfer over. So that's our uh, that's our NFC uh, South breakdown for our listeners there. Dutchy, uh, you've got two divisions left in the NFC. You've got, uh, you know, I know your favorite in the North, and you've got the East. What one? Uh, what one do you want to cover next week? Well, let's skip the North because because uh, 
you know where I'm going with that one. So let's skip the north and let's get in. Uh, we'll um, we'll get into um, uh, the the third that the the one that we haven't talked about yet. So let's get it. Let's skip the north and we'll go to the east and we'll talk east because that's just the dog's breakfast as far as I'm concerned. That's you know, your favorite division in the NFL. The I know least that, favorite. I don't even want to talk about the. the it's absolutely terrible. Uh, terrible. I. I. Sorry, but it'll be quick. It'll be quick next week because, oh, God forbid we talk about the Eagles and the Cowboys, etc. And I, I just no, don't want to. It'll be quick. All right. Well, let's transfer over here, guys. We got a topic there that I I called out last week there, and I wanted to bring up uh, just quickly here before we end this episode nine off here was the uh, our top five coaches of all time. I wanted to hear uh, where you had it, and, and I'll start us off. I've got uh, Jerry Sloan here at number five, one of my all-time favorite coaches, great basketball mind. Yes, he hasn't won the championship, but great winning percentage, um, gone to two championships, absolutely unbelievable coach, and I think he deserves to, uh, deserves to be in, my, in anybody's top five, and, and I got him in at number five. Yep. Yeah. I've got uh, Pat Riley coming in at number four. Five NBA championships. Uh, coached the uh, the Showtime Lakers, and you know, as much as you you dislike or like Pat Riley as a, as an individual, um, you know, we've all heard the stories along the way. Pretty wild stories, but um, great NBA coach, great uh, manager of personalities, and just knows exactly. Um, how to pick the pieces and do what he's doing here on the uh, on the NBA floor. Yep. Number three, I've got an all-time great. I've got Red Auerbach, nine NBA championships, and um, absolutely phenomenal coach. Not in my era as, as uh, those who know me, but um, how can you argue against that record? Absolutely uh, phenomenal there uh, in Red Auerbach. Number two and one where it was a tough decision for me, but um, slotting him in at number two was Greg Popovich. The one stat that I that I saw, and I had to go back actually and reread it because I didn't believe it, but 18 straight 50-plus winning seasons in the NBA. Can't argue that. Five championships in, in nine tries. Um, absolutely unbelievable. Greg Popovich still going. Uh, the only active coach on my list. At number one, We've been talking about him a fair amount here due to the last dance on the last few episodes is uh, Phil Jackson, 11 NBA championships, six with the Bulls, five with the Lakers. Phenomenal record. Um, And you want to talk about somebody that can manage personalities. Nobody better in my mind in sport, period, um, in handling personalities and making it work from Jordan and Pippen and Rodman to Shaq and Kobe and the Lakers um, to – all of the Olympic teams, absolutely phenomenal manager. And, and that's my top five. And I got a little um, honorable mention in there to Casey Jones um, in the uh, 80s. Nice. Phenomenal coach, Casey Jones. Um, did some as an assistant coach, won two championships, won two of his own. And uh, honorable mention, probably would have had him slotted in there in like six or seven spot. Oh, I would have put, come on, what about Nick Nurse as an honorable mention? <laughs> I Nick, love it. <laughs> Nick Nurse. That's a that's a recency bias right there. That's Doug. it, that's it. I'll I'm gonna go reverse here and I'll I'll, I'll make it quick. Um, you know, obviously number one, say I'm on the same page here. You know what? Um, for the NBA, he is was the best. He let the players play. His record 
is clearly untouchable, and you mentioned it. You know, Jordan Pippi, Pippen, Kobe and Shaq, those were tough personalities. They were also, you know, the, the best of the best. But for the championships that he won, for everything that he did, Jackson's definitely number one on my list, okay? Um, and we're not disagreeing on number two. I've got Popovich as well. I, I call him the Bill Belichick of the NBA. You know what? Uh, he ran his show. He uh, he had, when he had the, um, you know, uh, uh, Robinson and he had Duncan and he had all that, those those glory years. If you look at it, the last 10 years, he's, he's arguably one of the best, if not the best coach. Um, yep. You know, he's what, 13, 14 years in his career and he's 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 got they've got four championships. He's 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 clearly deserves to be at number two. And I got Pat Riley at number three, but that guy was twenty five years or twenty four years in a career. He had a bunch of teams. We all know all the teams, right? The Lakers, Knicks, Heat. You know, he won five championships. His his record is impressive. Um his winning percentage was impressive. He was uh, truly a, a, a coach's coach and, and deserves to be at number three. Same thing with you. Um, you know, I'm 43 years old and I, and I don't know much about Red Auerbach and, and hopefully we can get one of our, uh, one of our good friends, Jonesy on to, to talk about, you know, NBA and maybe he'll shed some light on us. Cause I For know sure. it, was, yep. it was back in his era, but you know, he was known as the godfather of the NBA, right? He coached yep. the Celtics for over 30 years. 30 years, and like you said, with all the championships that he won, I mean, he has to be in the top five. Where we differ, you know, I top, my my number five is um is Larry Brown. Oh, okay? Larry Brown. Come on, no, Larry Brown. I know you're going to argue, but listen, you know what? He had to coach. Like, he, he had to deal with Iverson. He had to deal with a few. I know he coached seven practice? or eight different. You talking practice. about practice? Exactly. He had to coach. I think he's been seven or eight nba teams okay and i know it's a lot of shit teams that he's coached but he got a lot out of them you know and and he's probably one of the best coaches ever to get the most out of the crappy teams you got to think about this he has a stat that nobody else has what's that come on lay it on me here lay it on me here dutch he's the only coach ever to have won and led a college team to an NBA or to an NCAA championship and an NBA championship. I don't give a shit what you say, but NBA and NCAA are totally different. You and I talk about it all the time. Yeah, they are. Yes, they are. They are. So for a guy to be able to do that, right? He led the Jayhawks to a title. He led the Pistons to a title. He's the only guy ever to do that. He's got us. You you have to put him at least in the top ten, which I'm sure he's in your top ten. But I got him at five just on that because there's a lot of guys. Like you look at uh, who's who's coaching right now. That was uh, you got Brad Stevens, who's an awesome coach. Yep. Okay, BYU, right? Yep. But okay. and it, for for Larry, it was a little bit of a different time. It, it, now, I think it's tougher to make that transition you're right. from you're, you're from right. college to the NBA as compared to. Back then, there was a little bit more respect factor there. You could say respect factor, but the the dynamic was the dynamic was different. Right, you're you're right. It is you're right. It is, but that's you know it's also why we have Red Auer back in there, and 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 why I have Larry Brown in there because I think it's a totally different. Uh, you know, I I think you have to look at stats. You got to look at uh, um, era. You got to look at what they've accomplished. 
and and those are all the reasons why I have him where he is. Um, at least you didn't put Lenny Wilkins in your top five. No, but he's hey, he would have been in my top ten. I was gonna just gonna say, and I was gonna challenge you. What about Doc? What about Lanny? What about uh, you know Casey Jones? So there's a bunch in there that uh, that I would have had ahead of Larry Brown. Larry Brown probably would have snuck in just inside my top ten, probably yeah. coming in at number nine or ten if I if I would have went that far down. But yeah, um, you know I think for the what we discovered here with the coaching uh, the coaching tree is is the fact that. Um, you know the the top five kind of in in our eyes kind of speak for themselves. You know, you you can't deny the records of Jackson and Popovich and Auerbach and Riley, and it, you just can't deny it. And it's just it's hands that cut above everybody else. Um, there's guys right now that are still coaching um, that um, are well on their way here and look like they can if they do it for you know eighteen, twenty, twenty four years that they've got a shot to you know, eventually maybe pop into a, a top five spot, but those top four guys to me, uh, they all speak for themselves. And I don't think it's, I think it's a no brainer to have, have those guys there. And, and then five through 10, we could argue all night long um, on any rotation of, of that order. Yeah, for sure. Well said. And uh, we'll get Nick nurse in there one of these days, if he continues along the stretch, but I just had to throw that in there one more time. <laughs> no, Hey, the winning percentage is there over a couple of years, right? So you yeah. never, you just, you just never know. So yeah. Awesome. Well, Dutchie, that was another great episode. I can't believe, uh, like I said, at the start of this, uh, that we've already flew through nine episodes and uh, you know, it's been a blast doing it. So let's, uh, let's keep it going. For all the listeners out there, uh, make sure you're following us on all the social media outlets real easy. Ginger and Dutch one across the board, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Instagram's up over 350 followers. Thank you for everybody for that. We are uh, truly blessed. And uh, I'm actually looking forward to talking about the NFC East. I know Dutch isn't next week, but um, let's uh, look forward to that. Thanks again to Savage Golf Services for coming on. Dutchie, end us off here. What do you got to say to end it? I said last week couple more weeks i'm gonna say it again a couple more weeks we're getting closer and closer stay safe everyone practice your social distancing we want sports back i know baseball's in shambles but let's get sports back we're getting closer and closer because i can't wait to fire it up with you and and argue about why there was a first down and it wasn't their first down and if that goal counted or it didn't count because that's why we started this because we argue all the time and I can't wait. Signing off for the Ginger and Dutch podcast, episode nine, real life sports passion for real life sports talk. I'm Ginger and I'm Dutch.